Hello, welcome to Where Am I To Go? Today we're in Sheridan, Wyoming, and we are at the King Saddlery Shop, Saddle and Rope Shop, and I am with Bill King. Uh, we are on Main Street in Sheridan, Wyoming, which sits on the east side of the Bighorn Mountains and uh, sits north of Casper, Wyoming. And if you're going to Yellowstone Park, you can come through Sheridan real easily and then take the trip on up over the Bighorn Mountains. The Bighorn Mountain Pass there is, is really pretty. Lots of uh, really nice scenery and kind of Wyoming at its best. But uh, today we're here at uh is it's the king saddle shop right or is it king, king saddle and ropes king saddlery and then i don't know there's king saddlery or king ropes out here and then this is the don king museum or don king collection I guess. and that's the part i really came over to see was the don king museum but when you walk through the front door of your of your shop or your your store it is just unbelievable the amount of uh horse related cowboy related uh, things that you have in there. Your inventory is just phenomenal with bits, spurs, uh, bags, boots. I didn't notice a lot of uh, Western attire, you know, some pants, but quite a few boots. Uh, right, and when Dad first started the shop, it was uh, strictly tack and saddles and absolutely no apparel whatsoever. And it sort of, you know, they sort of added that on as the years went by, so... Outside of that, uh, anyway, go ahead. Okay. Well, the the museum sits in the back of of the store that sits on Main Street, and you walk on into the the back area, and they've got a bunch of saddles for sale back here. But the thing that that really catches my eye is all of the uh, mounts, the, the mounts. animal mounts that you have. It looks like somebody spent some time in Africa. Well, actually, the, the uh, African uh, mounts came from a gentleman that owned a big ranch uh, west of Sheridan, and and uh, he didn't have a place or didn't want to display them anymore. So we wanted to know whether we would display them. And so that's why we have those. And then uh, uh, my brother, my younger brother, Bobby, who loved to hunt, and uh, one of the gentlemen that works in the uh, rope shop by the name of Gary Mefford, they love to go hunting all over the country. So a lot of these uh, North American mounts are theirs. Cool. Yeah, it's not very often you get to see a full-mounted giraffe. No. <laughs> no. And they've got zebras and elk and, yeah. and deer and and a, a lion rug. And a, a water buffalo over there. So. There is. Yeah. And a couple of uh, of really unique antelope. Those, yeah. those yeah. Uh, antelope with the horns that are going different directions and stuff, you don't see them very often. And I don't know what they're called, so... Anyway. Non-typical. 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 Yeah, non and then the ropes in here. You've got thousands of ropes, and you guys make all those in shop, right? Well, not all of them, but, uh, I mean, they tie all the knots in the in the hondos and everything here. Uh, and, there, and we do make some ropes downstairs, but we get a lot of the uh, bodies uh, made from different outfits. I mean, when Dad started out, there was... Uh, all the ropes were made commercially by Plymouth or... Uh, New England or somebody like that. And then uh, Dad and a couple other guys started making their own. 
and now there's a rope maker, you know, in all kinds of different, mostly in Texas, but uh, a lot of different places. And uh, so that's changed, too, over the years, huh. over the last 40, 50 years. Okay, well, let's head on into the museum. Okay. This museum I visited a few years back with my daughter and found it absolutely amazing. It's, it's not even advertised on the front of your building, I don't think. But uh, it sits back here, kind of an unknown little gem. Well, uh, definitely a gem. And uh, you get back in here, this place is just full of, of everything. Uh, I'm just amazed at what all's in here. Western memorabilia and a few other things. And a few other things. Few I saw that things. you had a little coal mining display over yeah, here with, yeah. with the stick of dynamite and the plunger and, <laughs> and uh, some of that. Yeah. But... but You've got saddles everywhere. Is this is this collection yours or, or your dad's or? Well, it was dad's, and and uh, yeah, he started out, uh, and for the life of me, I'm not sure just exactly when and where he kept them all. He didn't have all these. Don't get me wrong. When he first started, uh, but he must have been collecting a few saddles and uh, and uh, leather crafting tools and or harness tools. And where he kept him, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, he, he got this building, which was next door to this already. But it was uh, it was a, uh, a carpet uh, uh, warehouse, and they didn't want it anymore. So Dad bought the building and completely remodeled it. And I and we said, Well, what are you going to do with that? And he said, Well, I'm going to put my collection in there. Well, he came in here and he had I don't know 15, 20, 30 saddles and some tools that he had, he and my wife, they made, they're upstairs. I, you may have noticed them up there, but oh, there's, yeah. there's some leather tools around here. That, and anyway, so that's how it started out. And then and then the collecting really began. Then the disease really, you know, set set in. And uh, from there it was, and, and from that point of time, then there's been a lot of people who have been very generous in loaning, you know, some of their things to the museum too, which is, kind of rounds out uh, a lot of the stuff that isn't dad's or mine or i mean when dad opened it up then i didn't know where i i didn't think i had the collecting bug but then all of a sudden i just started you know started in collecting beadwork and then my brother started collecting guns and knives and uh, so uh and uh, my mother started collecting i don't know um paraphernalia of some kind and i think that was about that was about the extent of it but anyway it grew. It's pretty obvious somebody's been collecting. Right. right. <laughs> How many saddles do you have here? Six hundred. Six hundred. And then I've got about another hundred and fifty up in another room upstairs that didn't oh. quite make the museum. So <laughs> Yeah, you've got just about everything imaginable. I saw yeah. McClellan over there. You've got some high backed ones. What's the yeah. oldest uh saddle you have in well, here? Well, any of the in this row in here, these are probably the you know, this uh this this type here are probably the oldest saddles of the of the bunch. Now there may be uh, they'll say eighteen sixty on them, eighteen fifty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's one that says eighteen hundred. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that is. Well, I don't think that's probably you know eighteen hundred, eighteen hundred. Like, uh, uh, well, eighteen hundred. Let's see. That would be after the Revolutionary War and before so, the Civil and before the Civil War. They were using it's the McClellans close, yeah, mostly well, in the Civil War, weren't they? McClellans, uh, yeah, came from the Civil War. Uh, th those did not look like comfortable saddles to me. 
I've never read one. Never, <laughs> never, never really wanted to either. How about the side but saddles? They, you somebody, ever tried out the side no, saddle? I never tried out the side saddle. But some people say that the McClellan is not that uncomfortable, but you know, you'd uh, maybe want to have a blanket under you or something like that. I was going to say riding rubbing on you, rubbing you raw, riding on two beams of wood. This yeah. doesn't seem quite right. Yeah. And then, and then, of course, you've got the side saddles over here, and. Uh, those had to have been kind of a trick to ride too, I would think. Well, you'd have to ask the, you'd have to ask somebody of the other <laughs> persuasion to, you know, explain that. But uh, they were, you know, before women were allowed to ride the stride, they, you know, were certainly used quite a bit, and uh, seemed to, seemed to be part of the horse culture. And then you've got a lot of different styles of bits and. Just a lot of, of uh, horse-related history here. Well, horse-related and, uh, you know, there's and, leather tools there. And then we've got the Al Stolman collection that's upstairs with his old leather or his uh, saddle or saddle shop. And, uh, and then there's a thing from the, you know, you saw the Eaton's display up there from Eaton's Ranch. Right, which, right. Uh, you know, kind of a dude, panorama. Dude yeah, dude ranching yeah. part of it. So. And you've got a lot of tooling upstairs. The tooling up there is just is yeah, just the, you the leather phenomenal. tools, the leather tools. The leather tools, yeah, and and all of that. And then uh then you've got quite a few buggies in here. Yeah, the, when it, when it started out, we had all this room and so uh there was a collection of uh wagons and and buggies that the uh uh rodeo board owned so there was several of those and they were all brought in here and and we've managed to keep two or three of them in the in the hearse and everything but uh, uh we just don't have room for that sort of stuff much anymore well you, yeah this, this is a packed little place i mean how big is this building this building oh, don't ask me that you know probably yeah, yeah. probably 25 30 foot wide and and 60 foot long and you've got more stuff in here than i've got in my garage yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's packed. Uh, it's packed from stem to stern. It is, and and it just it'd take you forever, I think, to to look and see everything that there is. Well, that's the thing. I don't. I'm not sure that anybody's got the patience to look at everything, you know, in here at once. And and tell me about your your Kodiak bear here. I don't know anything. You don't know anything you, you about. I don't. I'm not even sure where that came from and and this is he's been redecorated with uh, an arabian uh show outfit oh okay bobby king killed him in british columbia and uh it's a good sized bear but like he said it's got all the arabian uh decor on it it's got a blanket and headdress and and saddle and he was the only thing in here that we could display it with so uh, He got nominated. He's just a unique, a unique uh, feature here. Exactly. Yeah, they used to make necklaces out of those Indians. Yeah, his his, his claws are as long as a as a human finger. Well, or longer. They're, well, maybe even longer. Yeah, the 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 palm is way bigger, but yeah. just the claw itself is yeah, is a good sized claw. Bear. And then. Uh, this has always been one of my favorite things: is the old hearses. The amount of uh, 
woodworking ability and, and the way that they put these things together is just unbelievable. Exactly. And this one came out of, this one was uh, one of the, uh, well, came out of Sheridan. I mean, it was with the funeral home here in Sheridan. So it's been around for a long time. And so I would imagine, you know, back at the turn of the century, 1900s. You don't get to see them very often. You know, I, there's one over at Old Trail Town in Cody, Wyoming. Is there? But it's not nearly in this good a shape. Yeah. And you see them every once in a while. But it's amazing how ornate they made these things uh, back in the 1800s with the glass. And I don't know how the glass stood up to the roads with the, with the suspension systems that these had. I don't either. It just, uh, they're, they're just totally fascinating to look at and to, and to think about the amount of work that went into these. And then, of course, you got this gun collection here on the back. Well, there's guns all over the all over the museum, and uh, this this particular collection came from, you know, one family. So that was that was nice. Yeah, you got some old flintlocks, and yeah, there's actually a Hawkins in there. So. An old revolving rifle, and yeah, yeah. blunderbuss. Yeah, there's just so much to see here. So much to see. And then you've got your, your chuck wagon over here, too. That uh, I've, always, I've always been a fan of the chuck wagons. Well, this, just, isn't, this isn't a chuck wagon. This is a, this sheep, is a sheep wagon. Sheep wagon. Well, I like the sheep wagons, too. They look a lot the same other than they don't have yeah. the box on the back. But, right. yeah, with the sheep wagons, uh, you know, those guys just lived in those while they were out tending sheep. They had stoves in them and beds in them. It was an old motorhome is what well, it yeah, was. I was just going to say, it's your first RV. And wood stove, you know, they'd, yeah. they'd be able to keep it warm and, and still cook. And, yeah. and an, amazing, an amazing piece here. I really, really like this sheep wagon. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff, and then there's a whole, this is almost all South American stuff here, all this, and Mexican, and uh, and uh, then you get into the South American, you know, bits and spurs and saddles. and A lot of that stuff was really ornate, wasn't it? Well, uh, yeah, uh, it can be, but I mean, like, this is pretty plain, I mean, but, uh, but what they did it on these, notice on these trees, most of the the saddle tree is exposed as opposed to like on the western saddles or they're mostly covered now what was the reason for such a big horn that horn's as big as as big as your hand spread out well what they what they uh, they're called mexican horns and what they would do they uh they would dally you know and use uh raw hydriettes and so forth and and uh they would dally around the horn which kept, uh, you know, once you got down there, it would uh, hold the dallies a little bit better. And then, you know, they'd let it burn, you know, let it slide and stuff like that. So as yeah. opposed to in the uh, present day where they put rubber around the horn and, you know, when you go to the dallies, you're, you know, you're tight right away. So Right. Yeah. With a horn that big, I'd, and the way I ride horses, I'd probably have to hang on to that well, thing like eat, a steering wheel. You could eat off the top of it. <laughs> Just know? about. Yeah. Just about. Tight. And then you've got a pretty cool little uh, stuffed, full-mounted, stuffed, uh, two-headed two calf. calf. Yeah, that was a, and that's not a, that's a real thing. That's not a, uh, uh, what do you call them, a taxidermist uh, deal. That's a, that was a calf that was born. He obviously didn't live, but 
two-headed calf and they stuffed it. But it wasn't a, it's not a made-up thing like uh, like the uh, jackalope or something like right. that. Right. Oh, yeah. Yep. And then there's a, and the, and then there's a steer, steer horn here with a unicorn. Ooh. Yeah, he's got three horns coming out there. And then you've got some other really nice uh, uh, longhorn steer mounts up here, too. Yeah. And some of this here must be, uh, it says Plains Indian these saddles. Are all, and, these are all Plains Indian saddles. Uh, you know, go, we've got a Navajo saddle, and this would probably be a Southern Plains Kiowa Comanche saddle, a Crow saddle, Blackfoot saddle, Cheyenne saddle. And that one is could be probably Southern Plains too. So, well, this is this is a really neat place. Highly highly recommended. Well worth anybody's stop if they're coming through Sheridan or heck, even if you're within a hundred miles, headed on your way to Yellowstone. It's worth the worth the stop to come on into to King Saddle Shop here, and it's right on the main street in Sheridan. Uh, I just can't say enough about about this place. It's it's one of the cooler museums I've been to, and like I said, it's definitely a hidden gem. Well, thank you for saying so. Appreciate you. I I really appreciate your time, Bill, taking time with us to to go ahead and do this podcast. And uh, I'll send you a copy of it when I get done with this here, appreciate and it. then you'll catch up on what podcasts appreciate are and <laughs> and hear what we did. Now, I'm getting a little too old to know how to do it, but uh, I'd sure enjoy uh, you know listening to it. So. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we cut this off? No, can't think of anything. I just hope everybody, you know, if they come, they enjoy it. So I don't see how they couldn't come and enjoy it. It's just, it's just too much to see, and and I definitely plan if you're coming here, you want to plan on probably an hour at, at minimum to walk through the the front store with all the things that you have, and even if you're not a horse person. The artwork and stuff is just phenomenal. And then Bill runs a art gallery next door. Is that mostly uh, Western? Well, Western sporting uh, landscapes. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so yeah. if you're into art, that's definitely a yeah. place to yeah. stop too. And then step across the alley and make sure and hit the museum. Yeah. So yeah. thanks again for your time, Bill. Yeah. Same here. If you enjoyed the visit to King Saddlery, please stay tuned as we go to the basement with Nolan, who is a rope maker extraordinaire. He will take us into the basement of King Ropes to show us how to make ropes. I am sorry that this section is a little bit quiet on Nolan's part. The microphone did not pick him up as well as I hoped that it should, so his speaking parts are a little bit quiet. But if you bear with him and me and listen, you will learn how they make ropes. And if you ever end up at King Ropes, make sure and ask for the basement visit to watch how ropes are made. They said that it is open to the public on request, so check that out. Okay, we are in the basement of King Saddle Shop where they make their ropes. And uh, we are talking with Nolan, Nolan Buckley. And he's going to tell us about how they make the ropes here. Okay, so these ones here will be what's called a chicken rope. We start off with these two threads here. Um, what I'll do is I'll loop them around these three hooks here and then kind of put everything around that front box. 
I'll take this golf cart here and I'll run it all the way up to the other box. It's got another hook just like this on there. Double everything back around that, bring it back down here and tie it off. And then we'll be ready to start twi twisting from this end. So it'll twist those three individual ropes all at the same time. And as it twists, it's going to pull these boxes back towards us. Once it gets to a certain point, it'll start, it'll start up the back motor and that'll actually twist the three strands into one rope. And they give you the cart so that you don't have to walk back and forth all day, or yep, that, that that's nice of them. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, I see you've got different colors of uh, of fiber here, so that must be so you can get the, the multicolored ropes, I guess. Yeah, just uh, different colors and blends of rope. Um, these ones here are going to be a red and white ones, so they'll be kind of a bird's egg splatter look to them when they're all finished. And, and how many strands do these ropes usually have when you get completed? Um, these chicken ropes here, I believe they will have 12. Okay, the chicken ropes are a super small rope. We just saw them. They were only, what, maybe a quarter inch diameter? Uh, eighth inch. On eighth ones. inch. And they're um, kind of a novelty rope. Um, we do have people that rope chickens with them. It's kind of a bar sport type thing. <laughs> um, I bet the chickens <laughs> just love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they'll... Um, most of what we sell as far as just people want souvenirs or something, so they'll come into Kings and don't want to buy a $40 rope, just hang on the wall, so pick up one of those old chicken ropes and then just take And they're 15 bucks, and you can practice roping with that just as well in your living room. Yep, if you got a bowl or a chair leg or something, and just rope with that and get the technique down. The kids? <laughs> yep. <laughs> keep, the, keep the refrigerator open and rope beers out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Run on down to this other machine here. Okay, he's taking his cart down to the other end of this and hooking up the, the twister. And now you said you can make 60 foot long ropes at a time? Yeah. That's a pretty long rope. Yeah, so it takes 96 feet of material by the time it's all twisted to get a 60 foot rope out of it. Okay. Uh, depending on what you make, uh, obviously the harder the rope, the shorter it's going to be once it's all twisted. So if you had uh, like those 60 foots we make are triple extra softs. Um, if you did like a medium soft or so, you'd probably have to let it twist another five or 10 feet before it to get that stiffness into it. And it'd only be a 55 foot rope. Okay. So we'll double everything off here and we'll run the cart back down. And how much tension do you have on these ropes while you're, while you're tightening them? Um, this one here isn't too much. It's uh, Probably about 400 pounds on this one. Oh, not too much. Only 400 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so, so our goat strings, we make some of those really hard ones. They get us. We'll have 1,200 pounds on them. Wow. And then, and then do you have to do anything once you get them twisted to harden them up? Or do they, oh. just, uh, they just twist that tight to where they stay that way? Yep. All the hardness is in the twist when you initially make the rope. Uh, you can heat it up, cool it down, and that's only going to change the, the feel of the rope. It might vary the stiffness a very slight bit, but most of the stiffness is just inherently built into the rope. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, this is a neat process. And then we'll uh, wax them when they're all done. We'll get a pile of three to 500 ropes down here, and then we wax. And we usually do that about twice a month in the summer and once a month in the winter. Cool. Yeah, that's, that, that's just fascinating. Yeah. Never seen a rope made before. Now you'll see this will be our center strand. So I'll bring it down and you'll see that these two have doubled the size so that I started with, so they now have four in each one. 
And then the center shrine will just hook right to that center thing down there and tie everything on up and we'll be ready to build a road. Cool. I gotta run this cart back real quick. Uh oh. Gotta to, gotta to take the cart in reverse also, huh? These little chicken ropes, I saw a price on them of $15. That seems like quite the bargain. Yeah, they're um, pretty good for just souvenirs or uh, people who want a piece of the West to bring back wherever they came from. Right. Um, and they don't take up a lot of space either because they're only 13 foot long, so you can hang them just about anywhere. Now we're just tying this one off so it stays nice and tight. And just kind of get the strands so they all hang about the same distance, and then we'll start this guy. <coughs> and then that weight comes back down this way as it twists. Yep. And There's just... uh, two boxes we have here, and then we have that great big circle weight down at the end. That provides most of the back pressure on the rope. Um, if that weren't there, when these ropes were twisting, they'd coil up just like a pig's tail after they got to a certain amount of twist in them. Okay. So that just keeps them from doing that, basically. Now, see when I pull this, all these strings will just tighten right up. They're in just a few seconds. Okay, so it's winding right now. Yeah. And these ones, because they're so light, we have to... Uh, ride the back box until it uh, touches the front box here. Once it gets to that mark, we'll have about one foot before it gets to where we need to turn it on at. So that just gives me time to get off the box and get ready to start the machine. Okay. Now, the real bits you see laying around here, those are the uh, counterweights we use. These chicken ropes, we don't use any drill bits. It's just the weight of the boxes themselves and that big bucket back there. So here, here we're initially doing uh, two strings at a time and then it'll wind up all all three once you started out with six strings yep. brings it down to three that are twisted and then from there it'll wind it all into one yep. so this rope will have a total of 12 threads all together well you can sure hear that tension yep. <laughs> i don't know if you can hear it here on the podcast that's the sound of that, that string tightening starting to sing like a guitar oh yeah yeah it's coming together and then and once it starts twisting it'll push that box all the way back down to the other end oh there you go yeah it's got a little motor on the back that's just spinning that super fast and that other box is keeping the thing separated as it runs on down wow this is really pretty neat now, do you guys bring the public down here very often, or is this kind of an off-limited thing? This, uh, we have these road tours all the time, so anybody that's curious or hasn't seen one made before, they're welcome to come down and check it out. They just got to ask there at the at the front desk? or yeah, this, um, Anyone in the road shop or leather side, whoever they're talking to, they can help them out. Well, is... gets down here, we'll let it spin for 15 seconds, and I'll put the twist in the road for yeah, this place is just a fascinating place all the way around. It's kind of, it's definitely a hidden gem for for interest. And now that doesn't all unravel when you cut it. Nope. Well, uh, I just throw about two inches of electrical tape on here. Okay. And that keeps it together on this end. And then there's 
quite a bit of heat generated when this is twisting, so I'll just kind of glue it together temporarily on the other end until we can get them waxed. And that waxing does three things. It uh, protects the rope from weather, uh, waterproofs it. Uh, it also lubricates the rope so when it's being used it doesn't wear itself out on sticks or branches or whatever. Um, and then the most important thing it does, yeah, <laughs> uh, the most important thing it does is it keeps the rope from getting kinks and bends in it, which I'll show you guys when we're done with this. Um, but if you were to take that rope right now and cut it off and bend it, it would keep it just like a piece of steel wire would. Oh, really? Uh, once you get a wax, then you can still bend it like that, but it'll spring right back into the shape it started with. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I always wondered how they had those ropes so stiff, but yet when you go to throw them, they actually, you know, unwind pretty well and uncoil to, to straight. Yeah. That's what separates a lariat rope from a typical hardware store rope is that hard twist. Okay. Our hardware store rope is built to be able to tie knots and things in and Lariat rope is built to keep a coil so it can be thrown and looped and such. So we'll cut this guy off here and then you'll see that whole machine will reset itself. Everything will go back to where it started at. Okay, yeah, that counterweight's pulling the machine back. I'll just let it spin for a little bit since I've planted attention on it. Now it's hard to just let this go, that pig's tail thing I was telling you about earlier, it would just rat up like a rat's nest at the other end. <laughs> How many uh, times have you have you done that? <laughs> you just throw the rope away at that point, or do you sit there and uncoil it for the next hour? So it's still useful because we build these a little long just in case of anomalies on the end pieces. Um, so we'll, and these ones, since they're only 13 feet long, we'll get three ropes out of each piece. Okay. So kind of compensate for that in our cutting. So if one comes out, say, two inches shorter, we can just cut a half an inch off each rope length, and it won't matter in the end. So right. They shrink up. There's so many variables with these things. They shrink up from the heat of being in the wax straw for just the particular person sitting on the rope tray or the rope box. And what fiber are you using for your ropes? So these are a nylon polyester blend. Okay. Um, each one of these little strings here has three threads in it. Okay, so yep. two of those are nylon, one is polyester, and that just gives it a good blend of strength and elasticity. <coughs> you guys are welcome to feel this and the difference it makes when it's twisted in the Oh, wow. Yeah, this is soft, and once it's all wound up, it's, it's and I can feel that. I bent it a little bit, and it just stays, just like yeah, what oh, you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Then we'll just flop it over here. And, uh, we usually make about 25 of these at a time, and we'll switch out to another guy. Or one guy just wants to stay down here and make ropes all day. He can build 100 of them, depending on what kind of rope he's doing. He's pretty much left alone unless somebody like me comes along and harasses him? Yep. A <laughs> <laughs> of guys come down here on occasion to work with other ropes or be in the hot room or something. But... For the most part, it's a single man job unless we're making something that requires a really, really hard string like uh, those goat strings I was telling you. Uh -huh. Sometimes we'll have two guys on the cart and we have to keep one guy still riding it while the other guy pulls the switches. And wow. Okay. We haven't built those in a long time, but we do them on occasion. 
Well, this is this is fascinating. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. And uh, thanks for showing us the ropes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Okay. Well, have a good day. Thank you for listening to Where Am I to Go? Where Am I to Go is produced by Lauren Alberts and edited by the most excellent Steve Baumgartner at Baumgartner Ranch. Thank you, Steve, for taking all the imperfections and making it sound better. The theme song is by Woods Tea Company. Check them out at woodstea.net. And a big thanks to Anchor at Anchor FM for being a free and easy way to start a podcast. All the rolling go, where am I to go? Meet Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?